This podcast is recorded in a house with animals, many of whom are vying for a position in the recording studio as we speak. Here comes a small orange cat to cuddle with the hound. Not hound hound, but Ernie hound. And anyway, just expect expect noises and distractions because there's all kinds of critters around here. It's true. This is also the point where I mentioned that we are probably going to use some grown-up language. And while we're going to keep the show itself PG-13 or as close as we possibly can, there, there's strong language, so we have to mark it explicit because iTunes only has clean and explicit and doesn't seem to understand there's a whole gray area in between the two. A spectrum, if you will. A spectrum, if you will. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 60, and we are back. Woo! We took two weeks off. We went to Worldcon. Uh, Jacob started his uh, first week of his junior year of school. So uh, we'll have a check-in with him a little later. And a lot of what I spent last week doing, or at least the very beginning of last week doing, was catching up from being out for Worldcon. Yes, I I spent a day. I mean, I I know I've been writing and getting stuff done, but there was a lot of just wow. I have extroverted very hard, and now I am going to lay in fetal position for a while. Uh, yeah, no, no, it was. I think a little stronger. We got in so late Monday night, Tuesday morning, really. At that point, yeah, there was also some jet lag. So there was some jet lag and and all that stuff, and it didn't help that. Just as I was like, okay, I guess I can get up and head down for the the thing, the uh, morning scrum. You know, I, I've got plenty of time to shower and get dressed. Uh, the alarm was going off on my work phone saying, uh, we have a problem. Can you come look at this now? And I'm like, oh, well. So there was no shower that morning um, until late. And uh, it was exciting. It was exciting. We found a bug. It was uh, a very difficult to figure out bug. And... So I spent most of that first day back on a war room call, helping diagnose where the issue might really be. Always fun. Excitement. Oh, lots of it. Lots of it. <clears throat> I did nothing anywhere near so exciting. Right. I, uh, I have written words, and I... I ran the weed whacker for a bit. You, you, um, you've written words. You ran the. You took care of the weeds. You trimmed one of the bushes. You have been out to lunch with at least two colleagues. I've uh, been working on a cover for a friend. Mm -hmm. I only do covers as favors anymore. Yes, because you know, uh, and. Yeah, just a just a lot of of working. Getting, I've been steady, but not you know. Getting Amazing. back into the groove. Getting really. back in the yeah. groove and realizing that I, I have a lot of contract things sort of in the air and coming together. And I've realized there's no point in me like really concentrating on any one book at the moment until I figure out how the contracts are going to fall out. Because right. I had hopes of getting another self-pub book out. And I'm realizing, you know, before like the holidays, I'm just like... That is not going to happen. I am not going to be able to do that. And that's okay. Yeah. Though the world will not end. Things will not crash down on my head. I will probably not starve to death. It's life. But it's it's a hard adjustment. And that's that's the thing. You're in one of those like points where you're having to 
I guess you're in the hurry up and wait stage of things. Yeah. Got all this stuff that needs to be done or wants to be done, but you can't really figure out how or where because you don't have the framework around when it's due and things like that. Yeah, I don't know which one is the mm-hmm. one that I'm gonna wanna need or want to need to work on. I don't know if the one that's nearly done is gonna have to get shelved for a while for reasons. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's I'm basically just at a stage where I am pulling up random projects, adding a few thousand words, pulling up another random project, which, you know, moves everything forward, however infinitesimally, and is useful. It's just frustrating because I. It's one of those things where I start to feel unemployed because I have no specific goal. You don't have a specific time. deadline or anything yeah. like that. I mean, you could still finish some of those things so that they so that when they're like, "Hey, all this contract stuff is is and we want here it is." Yeah, yeah. Of course, they're going to come and say they don't want any of that. It's it's not it, it, that's not how it's working. Out. No. Mm-mm. So there's that. <clears throat> But, you know, stuff is getting done. I'm mm-hmm. writing my thousand words a day pretty reliably, sometimes 1,200 or more, and uh, fiddling around in the garden when it's not roastingly hot. And yeah. that's about it, honestly. Life has been pretty boring. Yeah, so I've, I've been finding, because I've been trying to do the bullet journal thing for the last couple of weeks, and for the task list, it's great. But I swear to God, everybody thinks of calendars or, or whatever as basically um, agendas. So... I don't know what that noise was either. It was just a terrifying noise in the house. Yeah. Hmm, sounded like a goose being beaten with an engine block. Probably just a cat vomiting. Cats do not vomit with that noise. I accidentally stepped on a pig. Oh, the squeaky pig that the dogs are afraid of. Oh, yes. okay, yes. Teenager <clears throat> has stepped on squeaky pig. Yes. There all we right. go. Okay, yeah. So anyway, I've, I've been looking through all of these. God, I have fallen down the rabbit hole. Say it. It's a cult. And it's it ki- a cult. It kind of is. But everything that, that deals with, like, your daily whatever is, I mean, it's all, like, why would I hand draw this when I can go to Barnes & Nobles or Office Max and just buy daily pages to put my schedule on. Well, presumably if you're into bullet journaling, it's for one of two reasons, which mm-hmm. is you feel creative and wish to draw it out and do creative thingies, or you can't find a, you, you have a specialized need that you can't find a pre-made one for, because if you could, right. you'd be using that one. Oh, so yeah, yeah. you draw it out so that it actually fits exactly what you need. Which nine times out of 10 looks like a hand-drawn version of a day planner day page with the hours and the times for you to do things on the left-hand side and then your to-do on the right-hand side and a spot for notes. For you? <clears throat> no, I mean, that's that's what I've been finding online all over the place. Yeah, well, if I was to bullet journal a calendar page, mm-hmm. I would not have our things. If right. I had something that was actually our critical, I would have it written down and I would only need like two lines that were like dentist appointment at one thirty. Well, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Since I am no longer bound by an endless roll of blocks of time that are being taken away from me. That is, I have one meeting every day at the same time and it lasts half an hour. I have one meeting on Wednesdays, same time every Wednesday. It lasts an hour, right? I no longer need the big list of here's what's happening at what time 
that so many people and planners think is part of the daily plan. So that's why you bullet journal, so that you can make a page that doesn't have the hour thing except the, like, two you need. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I, I've I've gotten to the point now where it's like, okay, I'm stripping some things down. I'm getting rid of all the – even the weekly pages aren't working for me. Why do I need a block for Monday? I know what's going to happen on Monday. The same thing happens every Monday. It's not that it's um, problematic. I think that's not the right it, – it's not that – having it written down isn't a good thing. It's just why would I fill a journal up or pages and pages of a journal with Monday, you know, uh, 10 a.m. scrum, uh, seven prep for RPG night, eight to 11 play, play RPG. I mean, that's my Mondays now. Well, maybe you can just make Monday a page where you write Monday routine accomplished, and then you note down anything that's, that's different that's, from that. Yeah, that's what I'm starting. And then use like a regular calendar page to put down things like dentist, tattoo appointment, because I'm finding just being able to look at the the grid and go, oh, do I have a thing on that day? Do I have a thing on that day? Is so much easier now that I don't have to go through and figure out what hours things are. Yes, a grid. Like a wall calendar, for example. Like yes. the one that I use in my studio that a certain individual who shall remain nameless comes up and yells at me about using instead of Google Calendar. Yes. There are two reasons for that. Okay, the first is that you're wrong. What's the second reason? You don't take it with you. If you need to know something that's on that calendar, the only it's either in your brain or if you're like you're going for a for a, a scholarly presentation. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, Sorry. I can do a scholarly presentation. You're giving a talk at a university. Yes, yes, I am. Yeah. It's gonna uh, be a damn fine talk. It's called retelling fairy tales for fun and profit. So let's say scholarly as fuck. Someone's asking about a date. Or, you know, something coming up. Are you going to be at X? Or um, I know that you they won't do a, a will you fit in Y, but it might be a can you come to this other thing? And your two answers are either I will text my husband and find out what's going on or email me and I'll check when I get home. Not entirely true. I actually have a third option. What is the third option? I know the name of the event that I'm going to, and I Google it to see what dates it's from. But do you—that's how I calculate my hair appointments before conventions. I'm like, I need a hair appointment for the convention. She's like, When is that? I'm like, Let me look it up. Well, yeah, but I I, I work a little different. Yes, absolutely yeah, true. Yeah. I'm just saying that after literal years of you complaining about my wall calendar, and and the thing is. It's not just, it's, it, you have been telling me implicitly. Implicitly. And occasionally explicitly. Occasionally. For years. Yes. My wall calendar is doing it wrong. I'm not saying your wall calendar is doing it wrong. I'm saying you're. Now you're not saying. Well, I'm saying that, and it may be now that I am. Not under a constant pressure with schedule and timing and no, 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 uh, what's going on at all hours of a thing. Like, who cares what my coworkers have scheduled tomorrow? 
I, I mean, I care in that, you know, that it, it may impact what I do, but it's not like I'm constantly on the, where do I have an hour to fit in to do actual work? Like I was at my last job. Right. Right. And so the bit where I need to be able to pull up a central screen and see everything so that I can figure out all the moving pieces between all that stuff is kind of gone. Yeah. Kind of gone. Um, so I will say at this point, I do not believe you were doing it wrong. I believe you're doing it in a way that inconveniences me. And that is not necessarily a basis for you to make a change or switch to an electronic thing that it would be easier to schedule with for both of us. I accept your statement of my non-wrongness. I know that costs you to admit, and I appreciate it. It's a lot easier to admit your non-wrongness than to have you shoving, ha-ha, I was right down my throat. <laughs> I wasn't going to. No, you weren't. It's, this isn't like something that we look up on Wikipedia and you're like, ha, you're wrong. Uh, hey, <clears throat> give me credit. I'm very good about that. You are. You are. I'm not, ha-ha, you're wrong. I'm like, look at it, and you're like, all right, I was wrong. And I'm like, mm -hmm. there we go. Yes. And sometimes we'll say, I knew it couldn't be that because X, Y, and Z. Yes. But I'm not like doing a victory dance around the bedroom going, ha ha, you are wrong, 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 motherfucker, wrong, wrong, wrong. No, usually what happens is in the one in, I think, about eight times that I'm right, <laughs> I do a victory dance going around, I was right, I was right, oh my God, I was right. I'd like to thank the Academy. I'd like to thank my agent. <clears throat> And, uh, give me credit. I'm always very good about admitting that I was wrong. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You, this it's like this is not a hill worth dying on. I I, <laughs> I am sorry that I'm more gracious in victory than you are. <laughs> well, at least neither of us are truly sore winners. It's true. That's true. All right. So I've got a great interview in a little bit with Jim Hines. Who Yay, is Jim. an Yeah, it took me three tries to get this one. Jim is a very patient man. Jim is very patient, and the discussion was awesome. And I have a whole bunch of notes. And then in between when we did the, the phone call on this one, and I think I wrapped uh, just before Worldcon, I read his janitors, the first of his janitors of the post apocalypse. Um, book, and it was a. And what's it called for the readers at home? Um, I'll have to look it up. <laughs> it's it, it's on my Kindle. It's right there. No, it's brilliant though. It's uh, and the second one comes out. Uh, I can't remember when the second one comes out. We talk about it in the in the in the bit. Jim so, Hines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll, his books. He's good. Yeah. So we'll we'll get to that in a minute. First, though, uh, we're going to take a a moment and bring in the new test subject. Woo! And we will catch up with you after the interview with Jim. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and for those of you at home, um, Jacob will be here in a second. So for those of you who might have missed it, uh, Ursula has essentially graduated, so we no longer have a wombat test subject. Our new test subject is my youngest son, Jacob. Hello. And I do not know if he has decided what kind of test subject he is other than right now the, the generic teen test subject. I, I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's mm -hmm. fine. So... You've been, you've had about a week and a half of school now, mm -hmm. and I hope you've been using the planner. 
Oh, I have. Have you? Uh, yes. So, so how are you using the planner so far? So, like, for every class I have, I always have it out. And mm-hmm. if there's ever anything that the teacher says that of like an assignment or mm-hmm. a homework assignment, I, I write it down. Awesome. Yes, it's been working like a charm. Ah, see, so there. That that so that's yeah. If you write it down, if it isn't written down, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um. Now the other thing is, you guys use Google Classroom a lot. Uh, yes, yeah. that is true. And it has its own sort of Google login thing. It does, and it, uh, if the teachers put the assignments on there, you can pretty much easily see it, like all of your assignments or homework. Okay, and and one of the things you'd asked for before. Uh, the whole world constant and all that stuff was yeah. a Chromebook. Yes. Which I did get for you. And so that basically logs you right in and you get all your stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's working out. It's working out. Yeah. Wow. This is a short segment because this is like cool. This is like exactly what it is. Now, is there anything you're finding challenging with all of this or? I mean, it's, I feel like it's the actual doing of the assignment because I do have procrastination issues. It, I had it last year as well, really bad. It, but it runs in the family. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I have it. Uh, I have it much worse than your mother has it. Yeah, and I believe your your brother inherited it like twice as much as, oh, yeah. as the rest of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of last minute planning here, which is something I'm trying to get over. Oh yeah, with with my books and and all this stuff. So uh, good. This was this was sort of your weekly check in to see how you're doing, That's, and mm-hmm. if you had any questions about new stuff to try or stuff you wanted to try or, or uh, what. I don't think I can like think anything off the top of my head that I really want to try. But okay, well we'll let you get settled in. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll check in next week, and maybe in a, another week or two we'll. Like I have to get through through Mag Labs, and yeah. I, I have an event coming up, mm-hmm. and we'll start trying out uh, some new things that maybe will be helpful. All right, some some new tools that'll go uh, mm-hmm. hand in hand between the planner and the laptop. Oh yeah, awesome! So uh, thank you for stopping in. That's our yeah. that's our test subject, and now I'm going to hand you off to myself on the other end of. Uh, the musical break we're about to take is my interview with Jim Hines, the author of the. Uh, let's see. I have I have a list. I found my list this time. All my notes. So he's got the he did the Goblin Quest trilogy. He did the um, uh, the Princess series, which is basically a whole bunch of kick butt print, kick butt fairy tale princesses. It's Ooh. pretty awesome. Uh, the Magic Ex Libra series, which I really really love. And uh, like I said, the latest is the Janitors of the Post Apocalypse. The first book of which Terminal Alliance I finished just like two weeks ago just after I talked to him, and it was a lot of fun. And talking to Jim is always really fun, so I'm going to hand you off to that, and we'll be right back after this. Hi, folks. I am here with my long-awaited re-re-interview with Jim C. Hines. <laughs> there, there was the technical difficulty, and then there was the the scheduling uh, screw up. And I'm just I'm happy Jim has has 
come back for uh, a third time's the charm, I'm hoping. Um, I'm hoping so, too. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Jim, can you introduce yourself and tell us um, a little bit about what you do for the people who don't know you? Sure. Um, my name is Jim Hines. I write books. Um, if you want to know a little more than that, uh, I'm a fantasy author. Uh, some of the series I've got out, there's the Goblin Quest trilogy, which is about a little goblin underdog named Jig fighting with your typical heroes. There is the Princess series, which is retold fairy tales. Uh, Sleeping Beauty is a ninja, Snow White is a witch, that sort of deal. Uh, what else we got? There's the Magic X Libris books. Oh, yeah. Magic using librarian from Michigan's Upper Peninsula. He can pull things out of books. Um, first chapter, he pulls out a Star Trek disruptor and fights sparkling vampires. And, and yeah, no, I, I, and I love all three series. I just got to say. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And then the current one I'm working on is called Janitors of the Post-Apocalypse. It is my foray into science fiction and kind of like it sounds, it's a group of janitors who get stuck running the ship when the rest of the crew is incapacitated. Mayhem ensues. And I, I need to get my hands on it because it is, I, I'm excited about it. Uh, thank so, you. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, my reading list has been all Hugo nominations <laughs> up until last week when the votes when voting closed, so well, I, I don't I don't know what happened. I mean, I would have thought Space Janitors would have been a shoe in for the Hugo nominations, but it just didn't make the ballot this year. Uh, I, it was it was a tough field. It was I looking over the. I mean, seriously, it was a really really tough field. I'm I'm interested to see the long list this year. There's um, some really good authors up for the award this year. It's, oh yeah, it's very cool to see. Yeah, um, and uh, I was I was just um, at an event with Mer Lafferty last weekend, and and she's still sort of gobsmacked that she ended up with a Hugo nomination, a Nebula nomination, a Philip K. Dick nomination, all in one year. It's a good year. Yeah, yeah, um, but again, stiff competition. So, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so with. Multiple series. I guess you're working on one series right now, and I, I know there are, there's other stuff you've got going on. How do you keep yourself organized? <laughs> <laughs> if I figure it out, I'll call back and let you know. Um, Preaching to the choir? It's <laughs> yeah, it's partly, I mean, deadlines help. Mm -hmm. You know, when I know I have a deadline, then. You know, it's sort of mentally, okay, I have nine months or 12 months or however long to write this book that breaks down. And then I know my process, there'll probably be at least two or three complete rewrite, rewritten drafts. And so I start breaking it down into smaller chunks. It's like, I need to get this first draft written in, call it two months. I can probably do that because the first draft will be short and it mm -hmm. will suck. <laughs> um, but then just sort of breaking it down into smaller and smaller pieces and keeping that mental overview going. Sometimes if I'm struggling or if I need the extra kick in the butt, uh, I will also track daily word count and get really geeky. Everything goes into, into Excel so I can graph it and I can see, oh, I'm on track for this goal. I'm not on track for that one. Um, 
It's great. It adds a whole new level of stress and panic. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't do that a lot, but it's it's another option. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm actually, I should be working on the third janitor's book right now. <laughs> um, hopefully my editor is not listening to this podcast because I took a couple of months off. I wanted to do a middle grade book. Oh, hey, and awesome. So I've been doing this sort of secret project thing that I'm going to send to my agent and they can hopefully sell it and all of that. Um, and again, it's mm-hmm. been a challenge because I know I've got the, the janitor's book out there and it's looming and it doesn't have a mm-hmm. hard deadline. But if I've put out the first two books and then book three doesn't come out for five years, that's not good. No. Mm-mm. So it's sort of, it's been added pressure and I've actually been really productive on the middle grade book. I don't know if it's, I think part of it is just, I'm excited about this one, but part of it also is the guilt because I know I'm supposed to be writing janitors. So guilt is also a great motivator and helps you stay organized and focused and on track. Um, Don't know that I'd recommend it, but it seems to work. I'm I'm noticing some themes after all the writers I've talked to, and there's either uh, deadlines, um, mm-hmm. guilt, uh, fiscal pressure, yeah, um, and pretty much everybody has has a I have to know or I I want to know how many words I get done in a day. Pretty much, yeah. I, it- uh, and thanks, I'd forgotten about the fiscal pressure, but yeah, I've got <laughs> quarterly taxes coming up. Man. Yeah. Um, the other thing, it, yeah, I'll call it an organizational thing. Mm-hmm. There is a program, it used to be called Habit RPG, it's now called Habitica. Oh, I love Habitica. Uh-huh. And it has my list of... You know, the big deadlines, you know, one of the to-do lists is write the third janitor's book. But it's also set up that I can put in other assignments, other writing projects as they come in. I've mm-hmm. got an introduction, I think two different introductions that I need to, no, one introduction and one essay. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. See, I can't remember it, but it's right there if I open up Habitica. Right, and yeah. And it lets you yeah. put in deadlines so I know when they're due. And they start turning red to warn you, you know, this is coming, this is looming. And like, you know, the whole thing's structured like a role-playing game. Mm -hmm. So not only is it my to-do list and it keeps all of my different projects listed, if I actually finish them, then my guy gets to level up and he gets new equipment or he can buy stuff or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, one of our our past shows is um, we had uh, Vicky Sue. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the co-founders of Habitica, um, oh, wow. who's also uh, co-presented at an open source conference with me last year. Um, so you know Very we're cool. we're we're big fans of Habitica over here. Um, I'm I'm still grinding away at I must own all the pets. <laughs> How long have you been doing it? Um, I want to say about. Um, I really started. I think when the podcast started, so a little over a year maybe okay. a year and a half now um and we've got a good party and so a lot of it is um is you know just grinding through the pet quests over and over to get the uh, to get the eggs and the food and the 
uh, uh, you know, working to level them all up to mounts. Oh, so you're getting all the special quest pets and stuff too? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I need to start making more code contributions so that I can start, so I can get the contributor pets. Um, (laughs) (laughs) well, you should add that as a to-do list on Habitica. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little harder finding the time to code and uh, finding valuable additions, but, uh, it's, it's stuff that can be done. So if you're organized enough, yes, exactly. And, uh, or if I just, ha- I'll have a wild weekend where it's like, you know what? I want to get this done. So I'm just uh, as a mental break from other projects and I'll just knock it out. That's how I got my first code contribution in there. I, I have days like that too, where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm, Today will be a non-writing day, but it will be that sort of mad scramble of playing, paying bills and catching up email and getting random housework done and getting all that other miscellany all swept out at once. Right, right. And, uh, um, yeah, and, and you, you have to maintain, I think, a different structure because I do have the, the day job to help me define my structure. Which I believe last was it last year, two years ago, that you were able to uh, no longer require a day job, which is admirable for a writer. Um, it's actually been three years now. Has it been three years oh, already? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And it, I was able to quit the day job. I told my boss I was going to quit the day job, and they made a counter offer. Oh yeah. So they actually created this 10-hour a week position. Most of it I do I telecommute from home. So I only go into Lansing for 4 hours a week, one morning a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it does. It provides some structure to the week. It right. means I have to get up in the mornings. Mm-hmm. It it helps. You know, and and having a little steady paycheck is a good thing too. It's oh yeah. Not yeah. not anything I could live off of, but writing income is random and sporadic and you know one month there's nothing the next month here book advance and then mm-hmm. three more months of oh we're still living off that that piece of the book advance. It yeah. you know how it goes. I I do uh and one of the things that's that's admirable is you're always very transparent about it or at least you were. Um I, Still planning to be. Yeah, okay. I've been doing the annual blog posts about this is my mm-hmm. writing income, this is what it looks like, this is where different chunks of money came from, books, short stories, overseas deals. Uh, and it's it's been interesting to watch, too, because, I mean, the last few years, it's been going pretty well. Mm-hmm. This is a livable income. But... One year it's low livable, and then the next year, um, there's the year I sold the the janitor's trilogy, and it's like, ooh, lots of money this week. We're just living large. Yeah, this oh, week, this year. Yeah, wait, we need to save some of that because that that's right. got to last for yeah. Oh that yeah, that was two or three years worth of mm-hmm. of work. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. It, I think it's good to see and share the ups and downs, and just. Especially for new writers, people who are coming into it with that sort of romanticized idea that we're all independently wealthy and living in New York, sipping champagne all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, not so much. Not not so much. Not really. No. Um, so, 
Um, all right, so given all of that, and we've talked a little bit about it, uh, what systems and habits are valuable to you? And, and adding, so that ties into the adding structure by having a, a you know, at least a, a job you have to be at that requires a certain block of time set aside for that. Um, mm-hmm. but, but what else? What else is, is valuable to, to getting your stuff done? Huh. Habits and systems. Uh-huh. Honestly, part of it is just making the act of sitting down, opening up whatever book or story you're working on, and typing. You know, it doesn't have to be every day. Right. You know, for some people it does, other people don't, whatever. But for me, um, momentum and inertia are huge. The more I write, the easier it becomes to write. Uh, if I take a day off, it gets a little harder to go back to it. Mm-hmm. If something's going on and I end up you know, three or four days of not writing, it gets really hard to pick it back up. And when I do... I have slower days. I'm not as productive until I can get back into that groove. Mm -hmm. So just for me, making myself sit the butt in the chair, turn off Facebook, turn off Twitter, turn off all (laughs) of that, and just open up Microsoft Word and type something. Words on paper. Um, Pretty much, yeah. 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 And sometimes they're really bad words, but they're at least keeping me moving. They're keeping the momentum going. Yeah. Well, that's what editing is for later. Right. Right. Yeah. And Um, there's a lot of it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I know, I know when editing time has come on any particular project, because I can, I can hear the wailing and gnashing of teeth coming from, uh, the, the kitchen where Ursula is, is currently working until the coffee shops, uh, done being moved to its new location. So I, I, I start to hear the swearing and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. I'm like, oh, she's editing today. <laughs> <laughs> or reaching points where it's like, and then I wrote cool action scene on flying airship here. Oh, you do that too. Oh, past me is such a jerk. Why didn't he do the research and write this out? Why? Uh, she sends me off and says, here, read this manuscript and tell me if it sh- shames my ancestors. So I'm her alpha reader. And <laughs> that may be the most frustrating bit is, you know, I'm in the middle of, of something and I'm like, oh, this is this is really cool. And then there's just a break and a little paragraph. Battle goes here. Travel to destination X here. Um, everyone lives happily ever after. And if it's something I'm really, you know starting to get involved in that's when I start screaming at her. Why aren't you working on this book right now? Um, Where is the scene? Yeah. Uh, which is uh, honestly, that's it. I only had to wait. I want to say eight years for clockwork boys and wonder engine to be done. So, you know, it pays off eventually. <laughs> that's actually, you know, that brings up another, I don't know if I'd call it a habit, mm-hmm. but, uh, and it's not something I've done very often. But with the middle grade book that I mentioned that I was working on, mm-hmm. um, my wife, my son, and I, uh, we did a couple of days at Great, Great Wolf Lodge a week or two back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we still sometimes I'll read to my son at night or we'll read together or whatever. And I asked 
on the drive up, hey, do you want to hear, I'm working on the revision. Do you want to hear the first chapter of this book I'm doing? Uh, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And so I read them the first chapter and they really liked it, which is good. This is what I was hoping for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like, okay. So then almost every night while we were up there, it was, should I read another chapter or two? Oh, yeah. And, and reading, you know, as I'm working on that revision, it's partly it's motivation, you know, and it helps me stay focused that, well, I need to keep up. I need to get the rest of these chapters done so I can keep reading. Mm -hmm. But it also, it's, it's the reward and the reinforcement piece um, because... I mean, writing, you're sitting there, it's just me and the keyboard, and I, I get to a point where I don't know if this is good or if it sucks or if it'll ever, ever be published or if I'm wasting three months of my life. <laughs> yeah, um, right. You know, the actual publication part is still years away, if mm -hmm. ever. But, you know, hearing my wife say that I, this may be the favorite, my favorite thing of anything you've written. It's like, ooh, there's the reward. There, there's the little food pellet that I can, you know, I can go back to my maze now. Right, right. Um, there's a lot of delayed gratification in being an author. There really is, yeah. yeah. And uh, and sometimes uh, one of the interesting ones with Ursula, she's always like, "Wow, people are excited about this this book," but I wrote that ages ago because the the time between when she submits it and it's accepted by her editor and it's going into publication and it actually getting to store shelves is so long that people are, they're reading this brand new book and you're sitting there going, I think I remember what happens in that book, but yeah, that was two books ago. Yeah, it, well, we have the, um, we have the advanced reader copies of the final hamster princess book or the, the last known current, hamster princess book and it i don't think it comes out until either later this year or early next year yep and so it's like yeah no we've got the book well we've got six copies but yeah what do you mean you're all excited about your pre-order uh okay um yeah yeah and then you know we, we spend all of this time, we spend months or even years working on the books and they finally come out and you get the email from the person. Oh, I bought it on the first day. I read it overnight. When's the next one? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I, lo I love you. I love that you're so excited about the book. Um, but you're going to have to go read somebody else for a, a, a little while. Mm -hmm. while. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, um, the one that always is, is a little rough is when, when are you going to do a sequel to X or Y? And uh, a lot of times the answer is um, when, when the publisher decides to buy it, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, Ursula has a couple projects she would love to do sequels for. She's got, you know, some rough drafts from when she had just finished the first book and the publishers are like, you know, we, we don't really want the sequel to that. Yep. So, um, like, well, the sales have been declining. I think we'd be better off trying something new. Yes. Or, uh, in the case of something like, um, like Dragon Breath, they kept going a long time and, uh, it took a while before they were like, okay, let's, let's try something new and Hamster Princess. And, uh, they're, 
there there have been rumors that they might want another series, but that's still rumors, and you know how it is in writing. Uh-huh. On the business side, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> let me steer myself back on track. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, how do you decide what to do first on a given day? Decide between what? I'm not sure. I, I mean, understand what you're asking. You know, you've you've got you've got your list of of things that you need to get done in a day. Whether it's writing, whether it's going well, I mean, going into the office that's pretty obvious. Um, you know, whether it's uh, laundry or whatever, you you have these things on Habitica. You you have your uh, all this other stuff. How do you figure out what is you know? You sit down. It is time to start your day. How do you decide what that first thing you're going to do is? Usually, you know, I I mean, the day job stuff is scheduled. So right. that's 8.30 to 10.30 or whatever. After that, um, usually the writing will be the first thing. Whatever book I'm working on or story or whatever, um, it's, I want to get, I want to get the day's writing done. I don't want that to slip through the cracks. Right. There are exceptions. There are other things that will take priority. Um, if something's going on with the kids that, you know, mm-hmm. I need to do a field trip with my son or I need to drive out and pick up my daughter because her car died <laughs> or um, doctor appointments, things like that. Um, but most of the time, yeah, the default is the book comes first. Mm-hmm. You know, and our house can sometimes get a little disgusting as a result. I'm familiar with the phenomenon, yes. Yep. yep. I try, but there's so many hours in the day. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, writing, that is my full-time job, mm-hmm. or as full-time as I can make it. And it's also, it's the job I'm passionate about. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that generally comes first unless there's some sort of crisis. Cool. Yeah, um, I since I, I'm also a full-time work-at-home person and have been for eight years now, mm-hmm. um, I, I actually find that uh, I, I will, it's like, hey, I'm in tech, so I can say, oh, I'm literally compiling or building a new machine image for something. So while that's going, I can maybe sneak in some dishes or I can uh, uh, swap the wet, the, the dry laundry for the wet laundry to get that, <laughs> you know, just, just those little tiny maintenance tasks in between. Um, and sometimes if it's a, an exceptionally difficult day, then instead of doing any of that, I go outside with the dogs for 10 minutes. I was going to say, there are times when, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm writing and I get stuck on a scene or I get saying, okay, I don't know how to get them out of this or this feels off. You know, that may be time to take the dog for a walk or do something around the house or even just go back to the uh, bedroom and lie down and play a few games of words with friends. <laughs> just to let let the brain step back for a minute and i mean in in some respects it's 
it's an excuse that, oh, I'm going to just go play games or I want to go for a walk or whatever. I'm tired of working. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time it works. You know, I'll be halfway through the walk and something in the story will click and it'll be, oh, this is how I fix this. This is what I do with this scene. Yay. It's brilliant again. Everything's happy. Uh, yes. And I've, I've, I've actually used that same technique in solving technical problems. I watch Ursula, you know, she's in the middle of something and then she's just like, well, I got to go do something in the garden. And what she's mm-hmm. probably doing is working out a plot point. Yeah. Right. Sometimes you need to walk away. You need mm-hmm. to let it simmer a little. And I cannot, uh, I cannot recommend chickens enough for people's mental health. So, but I've become a chicken evangelist. Um, <laughs> I've seen a few of the pictures, I think. Yeah. yeah. Just a couple. Um, so, um, all right. In, in and around all of that, uh, what's been the best advice or feedback you've been given? Oh boy. And we haven't even gotten to the hard one yet. <laughs> <laughs> one of the pieces of advice that I like and I've received it, I've shared it, um, is that reminder that everybody's process is different. Um, I get really antsy and uptight anytime somebody starts explaining, this is the way you have to write a book. You have to write every day, or you have to write an outline, or you have to do at least a thousand words every day or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, I'm glad that works for you, but what works for you might not work for any, for the next person. And, you know, the advice really becomes, you have to find your own process. You have to try different things until you figure out this is what works for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that'll change. That'll evolve over time. That'll change from one project to the next. Um, Don't stop trying new things once you find something that works, but it's your process. And if at the end of that process you have a book or a story or whatever it is you were trying to make, then great, you win. You you Mm -hmm. found a process that works. And whether or not it's the same process as this other author over here, nobody cares. <laughs> they, None they, of the yeah. readers, they, they have no, in, or, well, some of them are interested or curious, but it really doesn't make a difference that you wrote an outline or you didn't, or you did the first draft in a week or you spent six months on it or whatever. They just want the book. Yeah. Um. Uh, I'm actually... For the middle grade project, I've been, I tried shifting things up a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually I write a rough outline of a page or two and then go into the first draft. And it's very short and it's a mess. And I do a lot of work on rewrites and all of that. And so instead of doing that like two or three page outline, I went into a much more detailed outline this, this time. I called it draft zero. Right. Because I'm not quite writing prose but I'm planning out a lot more of a lot more of the details of each scene. Uh, And it was different and I'd never tried it quite like this before. And it seems to work Mm -hmm. and it seems to have helped me get through the book a little faster. So, Hey, 
processes evolving after like 15 or 20 books. And uh, uh, even um, Wendig, Chuck Wendig mm-hmm. was, was talking about, um, he, I think he's writing actual scripts, like screenwriting style scripts as his outline. Um, at least I know that's how the first, he was, when we talked, that was the, um, that was how the, the second draft of the Miriam Black books, um, cause apparently the first draft was in his own words, garbage, uh, but he took a screenwriting class, started writing them as screenplays, and then was able to make novels out of that to great success. Yeah. So I just got done reading Aftermath, mm-hmm. um, one of his, one of Wendig's Star Wars books. Oh yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that coming out of a screenplay style outline. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, Kevin Hearn has his own process, and Case Alexander mm-hmm. has her entire outline on a whiteboard in front of her with color coded for action points. It's fascinating how everybody does it differently, and there's no one size fits all. Yep. Oh. And when you're starting out, try all of that different stuff. Oh, yeah. Try a screenplay, try a whiteboard, try whatever, and just some of it's not going to work for you, but some of it will, and keep the stuff that sticks. Oh, yeah. And, and the same is true of the, the productivity systems uh, we, we review and we try and, and things on the show. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, my, my favorite, I think one of my favorite things to say about them is if anyone is trying to sell you that this is the one true way to do the thing and it will change your life and it is the only way, then they're really trying to sell you something. Yeah. Run away. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we only have two questions left. Do you want the fun one or the hard one first? Ah, let's start with the hard one. Bring it on. All right. um, How do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal? I never fail. I okay. Are are are, are we? Are <laughs> you we believe that right? <laughs> you're I, buying that. I no, I'm not. I I buy it the way uh, I buy that. Uh, uh, Kirk did not fail um, the Kobayashi, Kobayashi Maru. Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you you fail all the time, big ways, little ways. It, you know, I hate missing deadlines, but it has happened. Um, usually not badly, but you know, I think the first time was the fifth book I was writing for DAW. Uh, I wasn't going to make the deadline. I needed an extra two or three weeks, and I felt like, oh my God, I'm the worst writer in the world. They're going to fire me. It's the end of my career. Uh, and, you know, of course, the editors were like, it, it's two weeks. You're, you're fine. It's okay. Um, the important, the most important thing about the deadlines is talk to the editor. Let them know as soon as possible, as soon as you, you realize this isn't going to work. Right. Because it's much easier for them if they know eight months out, hey, this book might need to be bumped back a month versus um, the actual deadline. Everything's already in the catalog. Catalog's been printed and sent out. And you say, oh, by the way, I'm not turning this in tomorrow. It needs another three months worth of, worth of work. Yeah. No. That's going to piss them off. And yes. 
rightfully so. Um, okay, so before we continue, apparently I have to let the dog out. Fair enough. So we'll we'll um, priorities. Yeah, I'll be right back, and uh, we'll we'll cut out the ensuing gap of me making cute noises okay. at Ernie and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Ernie, what is it, buddy? Does Ernie need to go outside? Go play with your friends. The thing about hounds um, is that they there is no such thing as a quiet hound. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, uh, the beagle was a surprising amount of loud in a very small body, at least with the coon oh, hounds. Yeah. Their body, My brother-in-law has beagles. Oh, God. Yeah, the coon hounds, at least, the body is proportional to the, to the bay. So, but uh, it is... It is something else when they get rolling. I love them, but uh, you know, I, uh, I, they could deafen me if they start going in my office. Oh, I understand. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, so we were on deadlines mis- and failure. Deadlines and failure and missing goals. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's not. Yeah. No. Where was I? I'm sure it was something brilliant and profound. Um, you know, editors understand that life happens, uh, especially if it's out of your control. Like at one point it was my wife having multiple unexpected knee surgeries. It's like, well, I'm spending a lot of time at the hospital and taking care of everything mm-hmm. in the house and all of that. And the editor's like, yeah, that's, that's okay. We understand. Um, but again, as long as you're communicating and letting them know so they can adapt and adjust as needed. Right. Um, and you try not to make a habit of it. You don't. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure if it was something where I just blew a project off for six months and then <laughs> said, oh, yeah, by the way, it's not going to be done. They might be a little more upset. Um, there are, there are ter- days I, I feel sorry for George's editor. I really do. George's <laughs> editor, right? Yep. Do you just build yeah. extra years into the schedule just in case? Yeah, I think that's actually a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reading a paper a while back um, talking about some of the reasons that we're so bad at estimating how long it's going to take us to do a project. Mm-hmm. Because when we're trying to do that estimate, in our brain, we're looking at that ideal situation and we overestimate what we'll be able to do. You know, I Mm -hmm. will tell myself, and I've been writing since 1995. I know better, but I will sit there and tell (laughs) myself, okay, I've got, well, I've got five chapters left to do in the book I'm working on right now. I know I can do a chapter a day. Sweet. This thing is going to be done by August 10th. And never considering that, oh, yeah, but we've got friends coming in from California. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I've got that interview to do in the afternoon. (laughs) And, oh, dentist appointment on that day. And that's just the things I know about. Right. So, 
you know, probably another good advice or good piece of advice there is to build in a little extra padding in your schedule. Don't expect that every day will be perfect and fully productive because it's not gonna. No, and and that's even like in my project manager training and my when I was working on my scrum uh scrum master certifications. Um mm-hmm. You know, there, there is definitely, there's the idealized schedule and then there's always leave yourself a little slack or especially with the agile stuff, you know, change happens, things happen, be adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get that perfect stretch of time and you finish early, then, you know, no editor is going to complain that you got your book done a month ahead of time. No. So great. Now your reputation is even better because you're the writer who got it done early mm-hmm. and that that makes um, it a lot easier also uh, with um like ursula is paranoid about not hitting her deadlines but when she had to go back mm-hmm. to say look um i think it was last year you know we've got the we had the the finland trip for Worldcon and and a couple other things she's like i'm gonna need and then they sent her on book tour uh, right around her deadline she's like look i'm gonna need another month um mm-hmm. and i think it helps because you know she's been very prompt and, and upfront and communicating with these guys yeah. in the past. They're, they're just like, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. You've, yeah. You've established a reputation. They mm-hmm. trust you. They know you're not just putzing around. And... Totally. And, and maintaining that communication, I think is, is good for any industry. Um, it's a lot harder to say we're going to miss a deadline uh, in a corporate world early because then, you know, you're always afraid that that's going to be the thing, but then, you know, when the it's the day before and you're like, no, we're not going to make it, then then it actually makes it worse than if you'd said, this is in danger three weeks prior. Right. Right. And, and just tracking it as you go. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, at this point, it's, it's in danger. Maybe if we do X, Y, and Z, we can get it back on schedule, but you need to be aware that this is a risk mm-hmm. and I'll check in again in a week and let you know which way we're going. Yeah. yeah. Communication. Communication. It's a thing. It, it is. Sometimes I've, uh, I was talking to someone last night complaining about uh, they were sick of, of TV shows where the big conflict could be resolved if they just talked to each other. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, so much. So you watch and Supernatural it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Not very much of it, but it's, it's such a common trope. It and is, it, yeah. And yes, sometimes it happens in, in real life, but so many different books and shows and stories rely on it so heavily, and you just end up wanting to smack all the characters. Yeah, constantly. Um, okay. And you asked about, about failure in general, too, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Um, uh, first answer... Failure is part of of what we do, mm-hmm. and I think if you never fail, then you're not trying hard enough. You're not pushing yourself. Um, you're not you're not taking risks. Which, I mean, okay, if that's if that's what you're happy with, fine. But I think most writers I've talked to, we all want to do better. We want to write new stories. We want to climb up that next rung and do something more ambitious or more exciting. 
And every time you do that, there's a risk you're going to fail. Uh, so yeah, it happens. Mm -hmm. It's part of the process. In some ways, it's a good thing. It means you're pushing yourself and you're trying something new, which sounds great in your head until you're actually faced with being in the middle of the failure. Uh -huh. And then it's like all of that lovely advice about failure being healthy and part of the process flies away. And it's just, why did I decide I should be a writer? I, I, I want to go back to my day job where I just work nine to five and, and it doesn't feel so miserable. And it's the end of my mm -hmm. career. Everyone will find out I'm a fraud, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Ursula's yeah. Ursula's is also, I'm going to die in a ditch. I'm going to die in a ditch next to Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. And so oh, I, I, I quit my job and now I've failed my family. I've failed everybody. I've failed my readers. It, it mm -hmm. sucks. Yes. Even when you know intellectually, you know, one of the advantages of having done this for more than 20 years now is, mm -hmm. yeah, I've been here before. Right. This is a familiar space. It's not fun. I know intellectually that I will get through this. But even knowing it intellectually, it's it sucks. Oh yeah, um, and it's yeah. Sometimes it can be helpful. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to my wife and vent and just try and get it out of my system, and she'll remind me. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, you go through this with every book. Okay, I know yeah. that's not helpful. That's no, no. Um, but but it is it is mm -hmm. helpful. Just being able to vent, being mm. able to get that frustration out instead of just having to sit on it. Yeah. Um, medication helped too. I was, I was going to say, yeah, you like, like me, uh, believe in better living through chemistry mm -hmm. and not, uh, not the, not the, the sixties version, but the, the, my brain no. chemistry is, is, is not right. And, uh, the pill I take every day to keep it in line is a big help. Yeah, it's been a while now since I went into the doctor and said, okay, I think I have to acknowledge that this is not normal, just I'm depressed, but I am mm -hmm. clinically capital D depressed. What can we do about it? Started talking to a therapist, started getting on the antidepressants, mm -hmm. and it didn't magically mean that I never failed anymore. Mm -hmm. But suddenly failure was less overwhelming. It was... It still sucked, but it didn't make the entire world suck. It didn't mean nothing matters anymore. Everything is darkness. Everything is pain. Everything is this gray cloud of suck. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I've been, I've been on antidepressants now for 13 years, and... I, I have no intention of ever going off them because the last time I took some time off, it was great until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you know what? Let's just not risk it anymore. Yep. yep. Go team medication. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it, again, not for everybody, I know, mm -hmm. but for some of us, it's like, yeah, this mm -hmm. works. This fixes a very real biological imbalance. And oh, yeah. I am more functional now. I'm more productive. I am 
able to enjoy what I'm working on more. It's this is a good thing. Yeah. And and a lot of people it it is it is frustrating with the people who don't understand or don't want to understand that there is a a difference between I'm depressed and I'm clinically depressed. There is for for some of us there is no mm-hmm. oh just think happy thoughts and and it'll go away. No, it doesn't if when your brain chemistry is out of whack it does not work that way yeah you know you know the various facebook memes that float around mm. saying here is a picture of nature this is how you cure depression <laughs> no not not so much it's certainly not anxiety because if you're already anxious going out in nature now you're worried about the bugs and the <laughs> the wildlife and the trees falling and it doesn't help um <laughs> Right. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing um, that helps with failure sometimes is uh, talking to other writers. Oh, yeah. Because it normalizes it. Mm -hmm. It reminds you that, yeah, it's not just you. We've all been there. We've all had the blank page that stares back at us and mocks us. We've all had the rejection letters. We've all had times when we feel like our career is dead mm-hmm. or dying. You know, it's normal. And just getting that reassurance that it's not just you. I've been there. I got through it, you know, talking to a friend. It's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've had those, those lows in my career many times. And I'm, this week I'm on the New York Times bestseller list. And oh, great. Good next for you. month that I means, won't be, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. That means because I'm in this valley right now, that next month I'll be a New York Times bestseller. No, Jim, it doesn't work that way. But, but, you know, at least that reassurance that it's not just you, it's, mm-hmm. it's normal. You know, yeah. It doesn't mean that you are a failure. Absolutely. It Absolutely. Just means this one thing is not working right now. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, vent to your writer friends. Yes, or your your coworkers or your peers in your field or or whatever. I right. I talk to other podcasters when I I don't feel like something's hitting or or whatever. Uh, since apparently I know a lot of them um, that I didn't know were podcasters, but uh, you know if if I'm having a particular difficulty, it is it is sometimes good to just go talk to somebody or, or system administrators. There's a whole there's whole chat channels devoted to system administrators being venting points for other system administrators. Yep. Some of the writing emailing lists that I'm on, mm-hmm. a lot of it is, you know, sharing advice and career questions and answers and stuff. Some of it is also, okay, I just need to vent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It helps. So on the flip side, mm-hmm. the fun question how do you celebrate your success if you celebrate your success? I try to, uh, and I need to be better about it because it's important. Um, yeah, yeah, I need to be better at it. I'm not that good at it. <laughs> Usually at least it'll be like, okay, tonight we have an ice cream night with the family. And you know, that might be a little thing, but it's a way of reconnecting with the family after mm-hmm. I've spent all this time 
buried in a book. Right. And it's just a little reward thing. If it's a project that pays well, maybe we'll do, maybe we'll go somewhere nicer or go on a little trip or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, ice cream tends to be the fallback. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's sort of the default. Hey, the, this happened and it was good. And now I shall eat and mess up my blood sugar. And this is how we celebrate. Yeah, that's 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 why I have to avoid the ice cream because as uh, you're type one diabetic, correct? Yep. Yeah. So yours is a little more easy to adjust for than mine because I'm type, type two diabetic. Two. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've got their own challenges. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But uh, like for us, if it's if it's going to be a food reward and we're a little overdue, it's either sushi, or if it's something really really big. Um, really, really, really big. There's a Brazilian steakhouse, or as we like to call it, the meat faucet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where you, you sit there and you turn the little thing over to green and they just start bringing you meat. And when you turn it to red, they stop. That sounds nice and dangerous. Uh, we, uh, I believe Ursula's quote after the first time we went, as we were sitting outside, unable to get to the car was, and like, I have to, uh, there's there are all these things on buying, you know, drugs or weaponry or whatever. But I can just walk in there and get all the meat I want at any time with no checks or responsibility. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's the way it works. Sorry. Um, so you're saying we need a background check? I think I think you, you, sometimes you do need a background check before maybe a waiting period. Yeah, um, because it was. I think we made it like 15 feet to the bench outside before we just had to sit down and, and just rest after that one. So, and we haven't been back since for some reason. So, but again, that's, that's a big celebration. Um, what is it? Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, and then little, little celebrations. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of ice cream. Um, there are several people who celebrate the same way, and uh, I, I like that you share it with your family. It's not always just a, a personal, yay, I did good. I'm going to sit now at the table and have and eat directly out of the carton with a large spoon. No, because they, they're a part of this, mm -hmm. you know, especially when it's that run up to the deadline. You know, my wife will do things like take the kids out for a day so that I can really focus and get through this next section or... Mm -hmm. My son, you know, understands that sometimes when he comes up to me with the Lego thing he's created and I have to tell him, okay, you, you remember dad's at work right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, they are mm -hmm. all affected by it. They're all a part of it. So they should absolutely be part of that celebration. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's that's all the questions. Okay. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to share with the audience? And that does include the the uh, the promotional. This this is your chance to have a promotional period as well. <laughs> well, if you okay, promotion always a dangerous question, right? Um, the easiest way is if you go to jimchines.com. You can get, you know, here are all of the books. Here's everything that's coming. You can sign up for the newsletter that goes up, goes out about once every three months. It's mm -hmm. written by a goblin. So he says nasty things about me. It's, 
It's fun. I like um, Jig, yes. <laughs> it's not written by Jig. Oh, that was it's not Jig, okay. A, it's a goblin named Clude. Oh, is, okay. He's the goblin scribe, and you know he'll post things like, okay, Jim wants me to tell you where he's going to be, here are his events, so any of you who are planning to stalk and kill him, this is where you find him. <laughs> uh, or he talks about... You know, it's rough being a goblin scribe. And really, mm-hmm. I'm just going to kill this guy and eat him in his sleep. Except authors are high in cholesterol. So what are you going to do? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, that's yeah. bottom of the webpage or mm-hmm. com slash newsletter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of stuff coming out in the future, Terminal Alliance, which is the first janitor's book, comes out in paperback, I believe, on October 30th. And then book two will be Terminal Uprising. That's scheduled for February of next year. I would love to babble about the middle grade book, but it's not done. It's not under contract. So I'm trying to not babble too much about that quite yet. Um, But yeah, mostly come to the website. There are links to Twitter or Facebook or your social media of choice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, say hi. And I'll and I will be linking um, several of those on the show notes for the people who are listening at home, who just want to be able to go click 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 click. Thank you very much, sir. You're very welcome. So uh, thank you, Jim, for for being patient with me and uh, and uh, <laughs> doing this interview. I'm glad we finally got a chance to make it work. Yes, absolutely. And um, and I'm I'm I need to go get my copy of terminal alliance now and uh and and get caught up on my backlog of reading so i believe me i've got a tower of books waiting in my room i I understand (laughs) all right well thanks a bunch and um for the people at home we'll be right back Ursula's upstairs working on some art and some writing and some stuff that, while it doesn't have a deadline, she feels the need to take care of, so I'm not going to interrupt her flow. What I am going to say is that it's always a absolute pleasure to talk to Jim Hines, and I love having the opportunity when I can to hang out with him at an event or talk on Twitter or whatever. Absolutely great guy. Terminal Alliance is the name of his most recent book. That's the first book of the Janitors of the Post-Apocalypse, where janitors save the world in a rollicking, or save the universe maybe, in a rollicking space opera. The second book comes out in February, and I've already got mine on pre-order, so check those out. As such, this week's badge code is Janitor. For those of you who don't know, we issue open badges here at Productivity Alchemy. You can take the code janitors, 
walk or not walk over, browse over to the website, scroll down to the little entry box to claim your badge, type that in, and it will then walk you through how to claim a Mozilla Open Badge for this episode, for episode 60. And then it'll be done. And it's pretty awesome. And I want to thank everybody who takes the time to claim their badge every week. And the people I know who are hardcore collectors and all that stuff, you guys are awesome. And I really appreciate all of you listening. But, uh, um, you know, I think the that it's pretty cool that there are some of you who are just like all over the badges every single time. Okay, that is about it for this week. Your reminder that we have two other podcasts, one that is family-friendly called The Hidden Almanac, five minutes three times a week uh, in an alternate universe with a slightly different history than the one we know. And the other, which, heavens help us, we're going to try to record another episode this coming Labor Day weekend, which is a three-day weekend, so we've got plenty of time to recover. Kevin and Ursula Eat Cheap, which is not for children, so not for children. Uh, where we eat questionable prepackaged foods and review them and talk with absolutely no filters on whatsoever. So you've been warned. That's really all there is to that. You can support us at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Ursula V. That helps pay for all three podcasts as well as many of our other endeavors. Food for KUEC, the stomach drugs we need to take in order to survive after doing KUEC for the number of years we have. Things like that. You can also buy me a coffee, uh, ko-fi.com slash K-S-O-N-N-E-Y. I could change that to be buy me tea, buy me something, but I drink a lot of coffee anyway, and every little bit helps. So those are two ways you can support the show. You can also um, check out the support page, which covers those and a couple other options. And most importantly, share it with your friends. Um, You know, I I love hearing from you guys. You can write me, kevin at sunny.com. There's a contact form. I, you know, uh, I really enjoy doing this. I really enjoy listening or reading your feedback. We'll have a letter show in about two weeks. Awesome sauce. So here's your chance to get in on that. And now I have to go basically throw the cat out of my office because he's busy destroying something on the desk behind me because he didn't like the dinner. This is what keeps me from being productive is this cat. Wait for the thump. There'll be a large thump and that'll be something expensive and probably electronic hitting the floor. So I'm going to take care of that. And I want the rest of you to have a good week and stay productive.